been on my mind all day that don't, don't teach the people to depend on your prayer. Show them that their prayer is seed into the ground. That a corporate prayer and a corporate agreement will put a greater demand on what God wants to do. You're not coming to receive only. You're coming as a part of this thing. It, it's, it's not coming to get a great word from Pastor Kyle or whatever you want to call me. It's we're coming together to press into what God wants to do. I believe wholeheartedly that he is using this church to establish something that this area has been trying to get in the ground for years upon years upon years. And I believe that this house is going to do it. And that doesn't mean that we, I, I, I'm not saying that we're going to be a, a house with thousands of people. I'm not going to speak against that. But I believe that we're just going to be a representation of the area that offers up such a genuine worship that it changes everything without anyone knowing why. And we're not obsessed with getting the credit. And we're not obsessed with marketing so that people will see it. Again, this is later in my notes, but I'm going to go ahead and say it. If we would just allow God to do what he wants to do, the only marketing we need is the wind of the Holy Spirit. He will draw people to what's going on not by way of good graphics, not by way of a profile picture of a preacher saying, come. Is that too much? Because I'm, I'm, we're, we're killing sacred cows tonight. We are a people that only want to lift up one name, and that's the name of Jesus. By way of Holy Spirit, for the glory of God the Father. So all in worship, all in priesthood, a return to what we're supposed to do. In the past two weeks in Malachi, we've talked about the idea that the people walked into promise. And when they walked into promise, they weren't experiencing everything that was promised. They were in the place, but they weren't in the best conditions. And they were saying, well, God, you promised us this, but this is what it looks like. And he looked at the people and he said, let me remind you that I love you. And also let me remind you that the offerings that you're bringing, I don't want. Because the worship that I want should be indicative of something that costs you something. And far too long in the church, we have gauged the effectiveness of our worship of how it pleases the people instead of how it pleases the Father. And we've geared worship, and when I mean worship, I mean song, I mean word, I mean communion, I mean all types of it. For too long in the church, it's been geared toward how can it be received in a comfortable way. And I believe what the Lord is trying to tell us through this Malachi series is, I don't want what's comfortable for you. I want what's costly for you. At the end of Malachi 1, he even says, Oh, what a weary, you, he says, You say what a weariness is to worship me. He says, Your worship, you're saying it's tiring and it's unsatisfying. And God says, That's insincere. That's not the verse, by the way, but you can leave it up there. He says, if you're getting tired of how long this is, it is showing the posture of your heart. And after he begins to talk about this high cost of bringing him the best offering, he ends chapter 1 with that right there, chapter 1, verse 14, throw it up there, Richard. It says, cursed is the cheat. Who promises to give a fine ram from his flock, but then sacrifices a defective one to the Lord. For I'm a great king, says the Lord of heaven's armies, and my name is feared among the nations. When you promise to bring God a proper offering of worship, he says, if you don't bring me that, I'm calling you a cheat. Or, bride of Christ, you're having an affair with other lovers. Because I've asked you to bring me your best, 
and you're giving your best to everything else. It is a sad day when we give more glory to Taylor Swift concerts, to UGA football. Anybody UGA fan? Yeah? Some of us were talking about that earlier. When we go to a ghost pirate game and we'll stand up all night to see a puck go back and forth, but in church we look for opportunities to sit down. Because we have laid in the bed with every other lover when Christ says, I want you to come into this chamber. We'll stand in line from 4 a.m. to 10 for a deal on TV on Black Friday, which now that's like every day of the year. <laughs> but for some reason, the idea of coming here a little early to press in is foreign. Is this too much too soon? He says, you're having an affair because you're giving the intimacy that I'm jealous for to everything else. And he says, you're actually bringing curses on yourself because you give me defiled things. Cursed is the cheat. Well, Kyle, that's Old Testament. I probably reference this, this, reference this every week now, but tell that to Ananias and Sapphira. Lying about their offering and falling down dead in the New Testament after Jesus left in the presence of God among the church. He still has the same standard for what he wants. He's a jealous God for your worship, and he does not change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he, grace is giving us the opportunity not to lay with other lovers and, and idols of worship, but grace makes a way for us to always have a way to come back, another chance to say yes. You know what grace is? Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Because you know what law was? First time, you didn't get it. But even in the Old Testament, we see grace. Read Judges. Every chapter, the people gave praise, and then they didn't. And there was always another prophet, another judge coming to bring something on behalf of God. It's through the entire Old Testament. Grace is not a New Testament concept. Grace is culture of God. He's looking at these people, and he's saying, you're cheating me. You're giving me half-hearted worship. And when Ananias and Sapphira came in and lied about their offering and fall down dead, it's important to know that God did not kill them. What killed them was improper worship brought upon a curse in the moment. I wonder how much disease would fall off people if we lifted the curse by proper worship. I, 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 we, we always talk about keys of the kingdom. But I think tonight's important to realize that there's a key to cursing as well. That you can turn or you can stop turning. So today we're going to pick up in chapter 2 and really lay this concept out. Are y'all are excited? Are y'all okay? okay some of y'all look at me like I'm crazy and that I'm heretical, but God bless you. Now, if you remember, in Revelation chapter 1-6, uh, we see a, a very important thing that he has made us a kingdom of priests for God, his, the, the, his Father, all glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. We are a kingdom of priests. A priest, you are a priest if you're a believer. I am a priest. A priest is not a title for a top person in a body. We are all a priesthood, a gathering of priests. A priest's role is to intercede between God and the people. A priest acts as a representative of the people before the throne of God. Back in the day, the priests would bring sacrifices and gifts on behalf of the people to reconcile them to God the Father. So the prophet Malachi is addressing all these priests, all these representatives on behalf of God. Or in other words, Malachi, God is speaking through the prophet Malachi and he's addressing the church. He's addressing the church yesterday and as far as this body of believers is concerned, he is addressing this house today. And really and truthfully, it's a church everywhere. It's the Big C Church. But we're going to represent the Big C Church. 
Okay, so God says, this is the word, and this is in Malachi 2, 1 through 2. Listen, you priests, this command is for you. Who is it for? Us. Listen to me and make up your minds to honor my name, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Or I will bring a terrible curse against you. I will curse even the blessings you receive. Indeed, I've already cursed them because you have not taken my warning to heart. God tells them, I have laid out very specifically what I want. I don't want defiled. I don't want a little. I don't want your leftovers. I want the best. And he says, if you do not give me what I've asked, there is one thing that will produce. Curse. Because you have not taken my warning to heart. Taking the warning to heart, in other words, you are not worshiping from your heart. You're going through motions and just getting by. So he says, here's the warning. If you're not going to worship me with everything you got, you're going to reap a curse, and even your blessings are going to be cursed. And some of you, this is scaring a little bit. Listen to the whole message, okay? Why is he speaking to the heart? Because what flows out of you reveals the posture of what you have taken in. A compromised worship reveals a compromised heart. Compromised worship reveals a compromised heart. Deuteronomy 6.5, you must love the Lord God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. Not just a little bit, not a portion of it, not I'm too tired to give it. He says, this is the standard. I want all your heart, all your soul, all your strength. I want everything you've got. I want your mind. I want your mindset. I want your feelings. I want what you're given to. I want your desires. I want all of it. Because God will not have his creation living in any other way than what we were intended to live. He will not stand for the intended posture of his created man and woman to be perverted by worshiping anything but him. He says, worship me with everything and give me your best. And he says, church, you make up your mind to honor my name. Your worship is how his name is honored, not just saying his name. Saying, Jesus, I love you all day means nothing if you're not honoring his name by lifestyle. That's just saying the right things that priests do often. If all you do is read the word, thinking that you cannot receive any other word, then you have just made a written manuscript an idol over the voice of God. Is this truth? Yes. Did this happen? Yes. Is it the voice of God? Yes. Can he say things without anyone ever reading it? Yes. And will it align with it? Yes. Do you think that God is so small that people who live in the, the deep in the rainforest or the, or the Amazon or whatever it is, they never had access to this. You think God would not somehow reveal himself? Even the scripture says that he reveals himself in the trees and the sky and the stars. He is everywhere and he cannot be contained in a book. So don't think just by reading this, you're in a good posture with God. We have made relationship with God as just have a Bible study. What is the point of the Bible study if you're not taking it to heart? There are many people who can read this every single day and never do anything with it. So your act of reading it has nothing to do with honoring his name if you don't do something with what you read. That's half-hearted worship. I'm reading my Bible. I don't care how much you read your Bible if I can't read it on your life. He says, if you do, is, is this all right? Okay. I didn't say this is okay. I said this is all right. He's, he says, if you don't do this, you're going to reap a curse. Even the blessings you receive will be cursed. Because you just turned a key called half-hearted worship. What blessings? Because if he says your blessings are going to be cursed, I want to know what blessings are going to be cursed. Right? Well, Moses writes to his sons 
in a passage referred to as the priestly blessings. Now, who's the priesthood? So this is the blessing on the priesthood in Numbers chapter 6, verses 23 to 27. Tell Aaron and his sons to bless the people of Israel with this special blessing. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show his favor and give you his peace. Whenever Aaron and his sons bless the people of Israel in my name, I myself will bless them. So the blessings are protection, grace, favor, and peace. How many of you want protection? How many of you want grace? How many of you want favor? How many of you want peace? He says half-hearted worship curses those. He says, you, when you turn a key of half-hearted worship, all the grace you need, you're going to wonder why you're not receiving it. Lord, give me grace in this moment, and you don't get it. Lord, protect me, but for some reason, you're not living as if you've been protected. Lord, give me favor in this. Give me favor in that. You're not experiencing favor. If you are not experiencing what is promised to be your blessing, then you have entered into a place of there is something in you that has not been given fully to the Lord. And grace says there is an invitation to come back and give him everything. You're not cursed forever. The curse is in your hand. Is this, are y'all okay? Okay. Okay. He says, when you bless me, I'm going to bless you. But when you bless me with half-hearted, you reap a curse. Why is God like that? Well, Genesis 12, 3 says, I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. Or another language of it is he's looking at the people. and he, He's saying, hey, I'm going to bless those who bless you. I'm going to curse those who curse you. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. We've heard that, right? I'm going to bless you, bless you curse you those who curse you but in Genesis 127 it says God created human beings in his own image and in the image of God he created them male and female he created them so we are created in the image of God okay so if others are cursed when they treat us with contempt this this y- y- y'all y'all look toward me y'all look toward me it's okay you know what? I'm gonna pause right there can I can I speak to that for a second in a very good way I was up here playing piano tonight I'm sure you know that. And I saw two kids dancing. And I saw a lot of people looking at it as distraction, and I looked at it as gold. That's all I'm going to say. Let me get back to this. If we are created in his image, then if others are cursed when they treat us with contempt, The same has to be on us when we treat him with contempt. Because it's a universal law for anything created in the Father. We are so much in his likeness that he says the only way to redeem you from death is for me to die. He says, I've made you so much like me that I have to abide by my own laws for you because we're one and the same. As Randy said earlier, as he's reading Ephesians, the Father is in you. We are in him. So he says, if people curse you, I'll curse them. He says, the same you get when you bring me the same contempt. But we love to focus on that's, oh, we get, we, we'll get a curse. But he says, it's so easy to just receive the blessing. All I want is you. And I'm not even saying you have, I I am not going to come up here and preach a false message that you have to lead a perfect life. You are perfected unto right standing according to the Father. Giving him an all in worship is not getting to a place where every single thing in your life is right, although it's a really good goal and we should all get there. All in worship is no matter what you're going through, your posture is always returning to him. With everything. So when you find yourself in a state of sin or you're finding yourself that you've messed up, a return to worship is not coming into the presence of God lying as if everything's okay. 
If you come into the presence of God in a corporate body of believers and he wants all of you, if you have found that you have been sitting that week, before you say, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, give him all in worship and come before him with repentance with your face on the floor, on the threshing floor, crying out to God, God, forgive me, restore me, I want you and I want to leave this here. That's all in worship. It's I'm giving you everything. I'm not giving you a little bit of me. I'm giving it all. Because when it comes down to it, things that we do that are called sin are simply things that are opposite of what God wants. I would go so far as to say that sin is actually simply not being obedient. And sometimes not being obedient is not evil behavior. Okay. We think of sin, we think of lying, cheating, gossiping, stealing, murder, all those things. But sin is also the Holy Spirit saying, doing this, and you saying no. So what's all in worship? Randy displayed it. I sinned by not saying yes, but he went all in to redeem it today. All in. But it, 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 it's vulnerability of, uh, you know, a, you know, 95-year-old man. Um, come, that was a joke. <laughs> Coming up here and crying and starting to blubber in front of you. In America, men don't cry. Jesus wept. Right? It's a moment of vulnerability to say, Lord, I'm giving you everything. I'm giving you my mess-ups. I'm giving you my perfection. I'm giving you everything. He says, you're not experiencing things like blessing and protection and favor because you're giving me what is half-hearted and you're reaping curse on what is actually blessed. And wholehearted worship will lift it in a moment. You know what his grace is? It's an exit clause. Some of us, if we hear this message, we will focus all night on, well, I don't believe that God will curse me, instead of believing that it can be lifted in a moment. Because you don't want to hear the truth. You just want a, 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 like a feather tickling your ears and making you feel good. You, you know how much of a relationship Jesus had with Peter? Peter's like, I ain't going to talk to you like that. And, Peter, and Jesus is like, hey, get behind me, Satan. He called Peter, the apostle who preached the first sermon in the upper room, Satan. And Peter didn't get offended. He, he didn't get on the church membership list and call everyone and say, hey, did you hear what they said? He didn't get on Facebook and start having counseling sessions with thousands of people who don't know anything. He, he just said, okay, Lord. Right? He, he came correct because he was all in. He was walking. That's the invitation. I'm, I'm, I'm going all in. Why is there a greater outpouring of miracles and signs and wonders and revivals? Because you have a company of people giving wholehearted worship. So any curse on blessings are lifted. Have, have you heard about revivals breaking out? It's not because of marketing. It's because in a moment, people are just saying, here, Lord, here's everything. You know what half-hearted worship is? The church planning the service. I have had to repent the past few months because I've realized that in the service of relentless, we've been giving him halfway worship. Because all in is freedom to interrupt Holy Spirit. Make sure I said it right. Freedom for the Holy Spirit to interrupt us, not interrupt him. No, don't give me any texts. <laughs> Curses are lifted. It says this in Psalm 22.3, Yet you are wholly enthroned on the praises of Israel. That word for enthroned comes from the Hebrew kadosh, meaning to sit, to remain, or to dwell, to inhabit. God lives in the praise of the people. 
and where God lives, the enemy can't stay, sickness has to go, and death is conquered, all have to flee. So if we want any curse lifted, we don't come in here and just start praying deliverance prayers. We invite deliverance by allowing him to live in a wholehearted praise. And far too long, the spirit-filled church embraces deliverance more than freedom. Let me tell you what I mean by that. If we had an altar call to come up here and say, be delivered from high blood pressure, people would come up here. But if we say, live free by eating broccoli, you'd wait for another deliverance call instead of living in freedom. You're laughing, but I'm telling the truth. It's, 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 it's the same thing with depression and anxiety. You want deliverance from depression, but you won't change your relationships, and you won't change how you, thought, you think about mom and dad. You won't change how you thought about the thing done to you years ago. You just want to get delivered from it every time you come to a corporate body of believers. De- deliverance is not the goal. Deliverance should be a process to live in freedom. Being saved by Jesus is not the end step. He saved you for all in worship. And we have made the goal of the church to get people saved instead of teaching people how to live out their salvation with an all in priesthood worship. This doesn't mean that he only inhabits when we praise But when we praise, it's a guarantee because we invite him in to closer dwelling. 1 Peter 2.9, a very common scripture that I read all the time. You are a chosen generation and you are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the complaints of the church. No, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Knowledge is, light is knowledge. Darkness is ignorance. He says, you are a priesthood. You are special. I am using, I want you to proclaim the praises of me. Why? Because I'm calling out of ignorance or you don't know how to manage this life you don't know how to live this life into a knowledge of this is how I walk in freedom why did God spend all this time in the Old Testament giving all these rules and all this law one simple reason he was showing them how to live and they've got no point in Malachi where they're no longer looking at the commands as how to live they're looking at it as this is just way too much God God, I know you want my tithe, but I've got to pay my power bill. And God's like, I'm giving you the way to pay the power bill. <laughs> he, he, he's, he's, he's given us insight on healthy eating, right? But even myself, when we go to the Mexican restaurant, I don't get lettuce. I get, I, you know, I'm like, bring on the chips and the guacamole and the salsa. Make sure it's nowhere near medium or hot. And I'll eat it and eat it and eat it. And I'm going to be honest with you. I go home and I don't really talk about this much, but the first thing that went through my mind is you glutton. You're laughing. But gluttony is just as bad as homosexuality in the eyes of God. So stop calling out the homosexuals when you can't control your fork. This is why the church is getting smaller. (laughs) I'm speaking to myself too, okay? Now now I'm in for it because someone I know is going to bring that up every time I eat now. (laughs) Where where are we at? Oh, it's already 8 o'clock. I'm only on page 2. Can I, can I keep going? Okay. Even if you said no, I'd still do it. He, he says, 
A royal priesthood is revealed when you're all in. The word for all in right there means submitted. An all in priesthood is submitted to the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Meaning, God, we want to drown in your presence. You see, the injustice the church has done is we've taught people that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is a one-time event that is accompanied with a gift. Baptism of the Holy Spirit is a conscious decision to go all in. Because baptism, you are immersed in his presence. So it's not, I got baptized. If you got baptized in the Spirit at four, I'm going to ask you what happened at five, six, seven, eight, nine. It is a continual posture of I want to go in to be drowned in the presence of God. If I may even go further in killing sacred cows. If you think that God only wants you to have one spiritual gift, you miss the point of spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts are not a mark of maturity. Spiritual gifts are every time that I want you to do something that you can't do, I'm supplementing it. You don't know what to pray? Here's some tongues. You, 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 don't, you don't know how to, how to lay hands on this person who has an ailment? Here's a word of knowledge. Here's a word of wisdom. Oh, you're not a nice person? Here's some mercy. He's so good that when we're all in submitted worship, you take on traits of God that you have not fully embraced as a gift to accomplish his will. Y'all hearing this? Everybody say all in. All in. Now, watch what God says is going to happen if we don't give him the all in. Look at this in verse 3. I will punish your descendants and splatter your faces with the manure from your festival sacrifices, and I'll throw you on the manure pile. You just hear God? You don't give me worship, I'm putting poop on your face. That's scripture. <laughs> verse 4. And then at last you will, you will know it was I who sent you this warning so that my covenant with the Levites can continue. That's interesting. Says the Lord of Heaven's armies. God says, the reason I discipline priests who do not go all in is because my hope is for you to begin honoring the covenant. He says, I died for a death curse to be thrown away, so worship me. The whole point in disciplining priests is not to point out how bad they are. It's a call to go deeper. And he says, if you don't, I'm going to throw poop in your face and throw you in the poop pile. Now, it's funny, but there's a lot more to this than meets the eye. Because what happened back in the day is before Jesus, one of the obedience things they had to do was bring sacrifices into the temple. The lamb, the, the, the best offerings, right? They would slaughter the animal. Well, the thing about these sacrifice animals is that they were animals. And they still had poop in them. So what they would do, I, I love that I can just say poop over and over in this message. <laughs> so what they would do is take all this poop, all this waste, all this excrement that was in their system. And God told the people in Exodus, take it all and burn it outside the camp. Outside the camp. So what God is saying is, if you give me half-hearted, insincere worship, you're going to be placed outside the camp. What, what camp? The dwelling place of God. You know what's outside the camp? Curse ground. Garden of Eden wasn't cursed. Ground outside of it was. What, 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 did, what did God say when we sinned? I'm going to curse the, the ground. So that's going to be hard for you to, to get something from it. So he says, don't be surprised 
when you walk outside of blessed ground, when you give God less worship than you do your football, your concerts, and your celebrity preachers. God even tells us what outside the camp looks like. I'm going to read about 65 verses right now. And they're so good that I don't have to elaborate on them. And they're not going to be up on the screen. So I want you to hear this. This is what outside the camp looks like. In Deuteronomy 28, uh, I'm going to read verses 15 through 62. This passage is called Curses for Disobedience. Y'all ready? If you refuse to listen to the Lord your God and do not obey all the commandments and decrees I'm giving you, all of these curses will come and overwhelm you. Your towns and your fields will be cursed. Your fruit baskets, your breadboard, your children, your crops, the offspring of your herds and flocks. That, that rhyme. Wherever you go, whatever you do is going to be cursed. The Lord himself will send on you curses, confusion, frustration. Anybody ever get frustrated? Do you think that's a fruit of the Spirit or a fruit of a curse? I am so frustrated with what's going on. Then give him worship and stop complaining. Okay, look, look, at last you are completely destroyed for doing evil and abandoning me. The Lord will afflict you with diseases until none of you are left. The Lord will strike you with wasting diseases, fever, inflammation, scorching heat, drought, blight, mildew. Stop telling people it's the will of God if you get sick. That's cursing because you're walking outside of blessed ground. Wait, are you telling me that if I get sick, uh, God's mad at me? No, I'm saying we're walking on cursed ground. So you know what the best thing to do, when, to do when you get sick? Worship. He's giving us the responses to walking in the curse. I can honestly say, you can ask anyone that knows me, when I get sick, like, like, all, like all men, when men get sick, it's like, the, like we're dying. You're like, when women, like when women get sick, they just push through. When men get sick, you know, we're in the bed. You know, we, we, we can't get out of the bed. You know, our legs don't work. Our, do any women know what I'm talking about? But like, you know, like, like I, I still have to call on my almost 80-year-old mom to say, can you bring me some chicken noodle soup? Because I'm like, like, you get sick, sick. But you know what I do when I start getting sick? The first, the first telephone call is not the doctor. The first thing is, Lord. That's what I've learned to do. That's how I've learned to battle. So I don't want you to hear me. He's not making you sick because you haven't given all in worship. So we don't give him all in worship, so we're walking in curse, and he's giving us a way out of curse. Look, look, continuing, it says, the diseases will pursue you until you die. Until you die. I, I, she's not here, but think about Devin, who has dealt with cancer, cancer, cancer. It keeps pursuing her, and it keeps losing. You hear me? You want to know why? Because she's learned how to battle cancer. The skies above will be as unyielding as bronze. The earth beneath will be as hard as iron. The Lord will change the rain that falls in your land into powder. Dust will pour down from the sky until you're destroyed. The Lord will cause you to be defeated. You will attack your enemies from one direction, but you'll scatter from them in seven. You'll be an object of horror to the kingdoms of the earth. Your corpses will be food for the scavenging birds and the wild animals. You'll be afflicted with boils and tumors and scurvy and the itch and things that cannot be cured. The Lord will strike with madness, blindness, panic. You'll walk around in broad daylight like a blind person, grasping for darkness, but you're not going to find your way. You're going to be oppressed. You'll be robbed. You'll be engaged to a woman, but another man will sleep with her. You'll build a house, but someone else is going to live in it. You'll, that's, that, that, that's called bankruptcy. That's called eviction. It says, you'll plant a vineyard, but you'll never enjoy its fruit. Your, your ox will be butchered before your eyes, but you will not eat a single bite of the meat. Your donkey will be taken from you, never return. It goes on and on and on and on. But if you fully obey and go all in, it says your towns and your fields will be blessed. Your children and your crops will be blessed. The offspring of your herds, your flocks, your work will be blessed. 
your fruit baskets and breadboards will be blessed. Wherever you go, whatever you do, you will be blessed. The Lord will conquer your enemies. They will attack you from one direction, but you, but they will scatter from you. The Lord will guarantee a blessing on everything you do, will fill your storehouses with grain. The Lord your God will bless you in the land he's giving you. If you obey the commands of God and walk in the ways of God, he will establish you as a holy people, as he promised he would do. You see, his promise is based off of us saying yes. It, it, it says, all the nations will see that you are a people claimed by God. They'll stand in all of you. You know why they'll stand in all of us? Because we'll be standing in all of him. the Lord will give you prosperity. He swore to your ancestors, blessing you with many children, numerous livestock, abundant crops. He'll send rain at the proper time. You'll be the lender and not the borrower. If you listen to these commands, the Lord will make you the head and not the tail. You'll always be on the top, never at the bottom. You must not turn away from any of the commands I'm giving you, including love your neighbor as yourself, including pray for those who persecute you, including Stop talking bad about the president and pray for his salvation and restoration. Stop, stop praying bad things on the, those attacking Israel and pray that they would bow to the Lord God. Stop praying curses and start praying blessings. That is all in worship. It's not, God, we don't like this person, so get him out. It's God. He's in. Honor the government. Restore that man. I am sick of Christians speaking against a man that God created. you realize the invitation of such a restored posture as a holy people? It's not getting everything perfect. He just says, worship me. He says, obey me. He wants you to walk with him. We can choose to walk on the cursed ground. When I get into the tithing, I'll be talking about that. But tithing is not just 10% of your income. Tithing is a word that simply represents giving him the first and the best of everything. I'm giving you the first of all of me, God, not the leftovers. It's an invitation for an all-in priesthood. And he says, if you're going to be this priesthood, I'm going to tell you exactly what you should be doing. It says this in Malachi 2, verse 5. The purpose of my covenant with the Levites was to bring life and peace. That's what I gave them. This required reverence. And they greatly revered me and stood in awe of my name. The point of the covenant of the Levitical priesthood was that the descendants of that priesthood would continue to spread through Israel or the church, the people of God. The the Levitical priesthood in the idea that we would bring life and peace and honor because we stood in awe of God by obeying him. It's not about you can't cut your hair like in the Levitical priesthood. It's about honor the commands. Go make disciple of all nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Heal the sick. Love people. These are the commands he's given us, the great commission. If we would go all in, we wouldn't have time for divisiveness because we would be so focused on God that we would actually start to trust him to take care of anything that could be going wrong. Because we are more focused on standing in awe of God versus managing the mistakes of our brothers and sisters. You want to know why the church struggles for unity? The church struggles for unity because we're not standing in awe of God. Because if we were standing in awe of God, 
you would never get offended. You want to know what offense is? You're thinking you're more important than you really are. This was done to me. You're not in awe of God. You're in awe of you. And some of you are probably thinking right now, is he talking to me? Yeah. (laughs) Talking to you. I'm talking to myself. I'm talking to the body of Christ of a call to stand in awe. If we would just get our eyes fixated on God, there would, there would be nothing that could stand a chance of getting in a body of believers because we're just obsessed with standing in awe of God. He's right here among us. Where are your eyes fixated? Where is your worship? We, need, we as an all-in priesthood, should be known for one thing. Bears of life and peace. So even when does some, someone does something wrong to you, your reaction is peace, not building a wall. Because you stand in awe. In verse 6, it says, they passed on to the people the truth of the instructions they received from me. They didn't lie. They didn't cheat. They walked with me, living good and righteous lives. And they turned many from lives of sin. Some versions say the law of truth was in their mouths. You want to know the character that we should be displaying? The only thing that our mouth has room for is truth. So, Why does God tell us that gossip and slander is sinful? Because it's indications you have not fully walked into the revelation that you're in the throne room. Because if you understand you're in the throne room, you don't have time for it. Because your mouth is only filled with holy. Gossip is never justified even if they stab you in the back. Judas stabbed Jesus in the back and it led to the redemption of the world. And you're worried about backstabbers? Jesus didn't stand there and look at, why'd you do that, Judas? Because his eyes were fixated on the Father. He didn't stay there. He moved on from it. Straight to the cross. Father, please let this cup pass from me. He begged the Father to not make him go through crucifixion. But because he stood in awe of his Father, when his Father said no, he took joy in the very next steps of that night starting with an arrest. Healing a man that was putting him in chains. Do we stand in awe of God? We're moving to a place in a few weeks, this is a horrible time to announce this, but maybe a good time, that we're actually going to do away with the first half of kids' church, and we're going to start encouraging kids just to show up with mom and dad. Because the moment you created that child, the best way to teach those kids worship is to watch mommy and daddy praise. And we want to develop kids who can show adults what standing in awe looks like. And if you get, dis- get distracted by a cry, it shows that you are truly not standing in awe. Because if you were standing in awe, your heart would be blessed 
that a child is in the presence of the throne room and we're raising up those children in the way they should go. Are we willing to get uncomfortably uncomfortable so that we could develop a generation not known for their mistakes but known for their all-in priesthood cry? I, I feel like that cry is prophetic and the parents don't even know it. That's what the Father wants to hear from us, a heart cry. I need you. I need you. I need you, God. I need you, God. I need you, God. I need you, God. Verse 7 says, The words of a priest's lips should preserve knowledge of God. People should go to him for instruction. The priest is the messenger of the Lord of heaven's armies. The priesthood looks like a people who, who bear life and peace, preserve knowledge. They can't lie. They can't cheat. They walk in such a way that many turn from sin, not to it. In verse 8 it says, but you priests have left God's paths. Your instructions have caused many to stumble into sin. You've corrupted the covenant I made with the Levites, says the Lord of heaven's armies. So I have made you despise and humiliate in the eyes of the people. You've not obeyed me. You've shown favoritism in the way you carry out my instructions. He says, what you're giving me is insincere. And because you've offered a defiled offering, a half-hearted worship, many are stumbling. We're seeing it in the church. The number one story that I hear from most people who walked away from church is because they saw the priesthood live hypocritically. And they knew Jesus was real, but he wasn't worth it because they saw a defiled priesthood offering. And you know what we do? We blame Satan. But we praise God that we have the authority. You know, we love that word authority, but we don't like the word responsibility. <sighs> I really thought this series was going to be a lot lighthearted, a lot more lighthearted than this. But thank you, God. prophet Jeremiah wrote a letter from Jerusalem to the elders, to the priests, to the prophets. And he said in Jeremiah 29, 13, if you look for me, God speaking wholeheartedly, you're going to find me. The original Greek and Hebrew of if you look for me, it literally means if you look for me with your inner man, your soul, your whole being. You can't search for him with all of that if you're searching for anything else. If you're trying to, to find joy in anything but the presence of God, you can't give him everything. If you're trying to find identity in anything other than the presence of God, if you're trying to find purpose in anything but the presence of God, There's, there's no such thing as clergy and lay people. There's no such thing as those in the ministry and those not in the ministry. We're all in the ministry. We're all saints. We're all kings. We're all a royal priesthood, a chosen special people. There is no call. There is no some are called to ministry and some are called. To, every one of you is called to ministry. You, you are walking in a ministry of the Holy Spirit into every sphere that you come across. If you still complain about the place you go to bring in the bread, you have failed to recognize that God has placed you there. And until it's time to move, 
stand in awe of him. He is so good. We don't have any lack. Everything we ever need to walk forward, he's given us. And all he wants is all in. He says, give me everything. Do you see, we can hear this message as you're going to be cursed if you don't worship or hear what the Lord is trying to tell us. If you are seeing curses, you battle it with all in. That's the message. It's not, I better worship God or he's going to curse my ground. The ground's already cursed, sweetheart. That's a weird word for me to say. He, if you're seeing this, there's one way to exit. All in. You can't say, Lord, give me favor if you're not giving him all in. It won't happen. The Lord told Samuel in 1 Samuel 16, 7, don't judge by his appearance or his height. I've rejected him because the Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by the outward. The Lord sees the heart. We can stand with our hands held high in worship and sing our favorite worship songs to the top of our lungs. But if our heart is not in it, it doesn't please God. We cannot only connect with God because of a style or a culture. We have to seek him in the idea of, it's not, I wish they would sing my favorite song. It's, I can give God praise with these lyrics of, freedom reigns in this place. Of Jesus, you're beautiful. It's not about what tickles your ears. It's about what tickles his. And all the, all the angels cry is, holy, 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 holy. Could we be a people that get to a place where if the band started playing and all we did for an hour was go holy, 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 we would never get tired of it? Because you don't sing holy, holy as in, yeah, I'm feeling this. You don't sing it because of that. You sing it because you have entered into a revelation of I am in the very presence of God. So holy, holy, holy. He satisfies the longing soul. He fills the hungry soul with goodness is what we're told in Psalm 107. An all-in priesthood simply understands this. God, you satisfy me to such a degree that there is no replacement for you. I'm telling you tonight, if you're in a place of depression, worry, anxiety, pain, feeling like you're alone, seek him and let him fill you. If you're in a good place, feeling like you're on top of the world, full of joy, I encourage you to seek greater degrees of a humble posture and greater worship and ask for God to highlight places where you can grow deeper. An all-in posture, an all-in priesthood, that the world will know him because we are so filled with him. Let us be a people who are so filled with God and submitted to God that the only thing that flows out of us is God-like. People hear the Father in our words. They hear the Father in our reactions. They hear the Father when we pray. They hear the Father by how we carry ourselves. They hear the Father in an all-in priesthood. That is the call to return to worship. Let's stand. Take all the time you want with God tonight. 
whether that's here in the seats, out in the foyer, out in your cars, or at the dinner table. However you want to do it. There's communion up here if you want to leave by reminding yourself that you are with Jesus and he is with you. Whatever you need, take the time. Go all in. Let's go all in, church. Let's, let's no longer giving him anything that's half. Give him everything. Lord, we thank you that even though we are in the midst of curses, worship lifts it. You have given us an invitation to go all in because the curse is the lie. We are set free in you, Jesus. We are redeemed in you. We are delivered. We no longer have any bondage. So, Lord, I declare right now, if any one of us is in any sort of bondage, any sort of chains, any sort of weight of sin, I declare that the curse has been broken and we would go all in to get out of a false status of curse and a true status of promise, of redemption in you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, I ask on behalf of all the people here, including myself, Reveal to us tonight what parts of us are not given fully to you so that we can say yes. So that we can go all in. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.